and thanks for hitting the snooze button. My name is Neil Headley. Welcome to episode five. We veer a little bit off topic from my sleep issues here in the fifth episode, and we talk more about our kids' sleep issues, but there's a lot of cross-pollination and a lot of common threads between the sleep problems that adults are facing and the ones that our kids are looking at. We're going to spend some quality time here with Dr. Linnell Schneeberg. She is the author of a brand new book called Become Your Child's Sleep Coach. The link for that will be in the show notes. Uh, She's an assistant professor at the Yale School of Medicine, and she's the director of the Behavioral Sleep Program at Connecticut Children's Medical Center. So lots of ground to cover here with Dr. Schneeberg. We're going to get into that in a second. I want to give you a heads up that for our bedheads, there's about a half an hour of bonus content uh, that is available to bedheads. If you'd like to become one, the details on how to do that, it literally costs a dollar a month. Um, and the details are waiting for you at thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. Thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. All the information that you need on how to become a bedhead is right there. And it's not only the bonus content in the episodes, because uh, those interviews tend to run 30 to 45 minutes longer than what we make available on the free side of things. Uh, but there's also other perks and bonuses coming to our bedheads, and we'll be unveiling those details in the weeks to come. However, without any further ado, let's get to it. Dr. Linnell Schneeberg. First of all, I want to thank you for making time for this today. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. Thank you for inviting me. The question that everyone gets at the beginning of every episode of the Snooze Button, uh, you know, be they uh, a rock star or a neuroscientist or some combination of those two things, uh, everybody gets the same question. How'd you sleep last night? <laughs> I have a slight cold, so I didn't sleep as well as normal, but usually I'm a very good sleeper. So what now, what does a person who studies sleep and advises other people on sleep for a living, what do you do on those nights when you can't? Because I'm always fascinated by the responses to this question. Yeah. So in my book, it's really important to have something to do near the bed that you find relaxing and distracting and sedentary, of course, um, to distract your mind a bit when you cannot sleep. So the best thing and the most classic thing is a book and a book light. So, I mean, obviously the gold standard of what do I do if my toddler, my three-year-old or whatever it is, can't fall asleep is coming to see you or someone like you if you're in a different part of the country. But if I don't necessarily have ready access to somebody, if my child has gotten to three or four years old and they're a lousy sleeper, am, am I kind of screwed by that point? Or is it, is it too late to start trying to no. rehabilitate their sleep? How, how young do we need to start making sure that they're on the right path? Sure. So in the, in the field of sleep medicine and in the literature, we all agree, pediatricians and sleep medicine people agree, that six months is, quote, the perfect time to help a child learn how to fall asleep independently. And some kids have learned it already by that age, the way your daughter did. But some, and some parents do what's called sleep training, which just means helping them to learn how to fall asleep independently. Some people, some parents do do that at six months. But then when the child leaves the crib and goes into a larger bed, a toddler bed or a twin bed, many times you have to do it again. Because they're feeling their freedom, aren't they? They, can, they know they can leave the bed and come and find you. 
So then parents often get in the pattern of lying down with their child to help them fall asleep and then leaving. And then that's an issue where their sleep crutch is gone when they wake up in the night. And of course, they have to come and find their sleep crutch again, their parent, again, to get the job done, to get back to sleep. So it's not too late, though, because the reason I wrote my book, which is called Become Your Child's Sleep Coach, and it's for ages, parents of kids ages 3 to 10, I wrote that because when you look at books on sleep training or helping children sleep, mostly you'll see babies' faces um, shining out at you from the bookshelf at the library or the bookstore. So I wanted to write a book for for parents to teach them how to do it when the child is a little bit older and can walk and talk, which can be harder, but it's completely doable once you know what to do. I'm reminded of, and forgive me if this is an obscure reference, <laughs> the episode of the TV series Mad About You, which oh. I love, uh, Paul Reiser, Helen show. Hunt, um, where, uh, where they are literally sitting on the floor with their backs to the baby's bedroom door, listening to the baby cry and feeling like the worst parents in the world. Talk to me about crying it out. Is that a good idea? Is it a terrible idea? Are we bad people if we let our kids do that? Right. That's, that's such a common question. And for me, I always tell the families that I work with, it's definitely a personal choice. The main goal, whether you do cry it out or what are called um, controlled checking, you know, where you check every five minutes, every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes, your real goal is to separate your child's need for you to be able to fall asleep. So for most babies, of course, it's being bottle fed or breastfed to sleep. And you can work on that without doing any cry it out. For example, you could feed your child at around bedtime, and then you could make sure that they're awake again by maybe changing their diaper, walking them around the room and saying goodnight to the various animals in the room, the stuffed animals, and then putting them in to the crib and letting them finish the job of falling, you know, going from wake to sleep. You know, they'll say drowsy, but awake, right? That's the phrase they use. And many times kids won't say drowsy. They'll wake up and basically let you know they want more than that. But you could sit nearby just providing your quiet presence while they're figuring out how to do that. Or you could go completely out of the room and wait again, five minutes, then 10 minutes, then 15. Some parents believe it's better to go out and wait and give them quite a bit of time to figure it out. So it's really a personal preference. But most parents end up wanting at some point to help their kids learn how to do that independently. And there are multiple ways to get there. For a teenager, is are there obvious signs that for for a parent where if this is happening, yeah, you need to get your kid into sleep to see a sleep specialist or you know a a, a, a sleep doctor of some kind. Is there something obvious that we should be looking for? Yes. So if it's really hard to get your child up for school every morning and it's a big fight, that's a clear signal, right? And that can be a big battle in a lot of American homes. I've heard stories you would not believe, you know, about what parents have tried to do to get their teenager up. So that's one obvious sign. And another one would be um, the kind of day-to-day functional things that we just talked about. You know, it takes them longer to do things. They have attentional issues, uh, mood issues, and so on. 
And then there's a third aspect that people should think about, which would be whether or not they have noticed any breathing-related problems with their teenager. Do they hear snoring coming from the room or gasping or choking? Or does their child report getting really hot at night? Does their child have any headaches in the morning? Has their child been diagnosed with ADHD or been put on a medication to improve their attention? If any of those things were true, I would absolutely recommend that they see a sleep specialist and rule out sleep apnea and get some help with from someone like me. I'm a behavioral sleep person, so I would help improve their routines, try to help them figure out how to achieve more sleep each night, even with the incredible load of things that teenagers often have to do between sports and academics and so on. So I think any teen who has those symptoms would benefit. What do you think of this movement that seems to be starting to gain some traction, particularly in America, about staggering uh, school times so that kids will get to school later in the day when they're arguably more functional? I could not be a bigger proponent. It's absolutely what should happen. There is so much research behind this that it's not even a question. Kids are driving when they're impaired. Their academics are suffering. Their mood is suffering. They feel anxious. I always say to parents, what if you had to get up at 3 a.m. to go to work on a regular basis? That would be so hard on you. And that's essentially what we're asking teenagers to do. Because when puberty hits, melatonin, the sleepy hormone, absolutely gets released later in their bodies than it did when they were a child, younger child. And so they really don't have that drive for sleep until much later. And then uh, left to their own devices, they would probably sleep something like 1 a.m., let's say midnight to 1 a.m. to about 9 a.m., left to their own devices. And they're really their biological preferences, but we're forcing them to get up really early when that's really not biologically what should be happening. And if you think about it, your little ones wake up easily and comfortably at six in the morning. So, and, you know, regularly without waking them at all, of course, at six in the morning or earlier. And so if we flipped the start times of elementary schools and high schools, we'd have a lot more happy, you know, the the kids would be a lot happier. Now, there, of course, are very complicated reasons why that can be hard, but is it the best plan? Yes, it is. Let's make sure we know every, where everyone uh, knows how to find the book, how to find you, uh, all the social media stuff. Like, let's, let's go through the whole list of all the places we can find both you and the book. Sure. So the book is available, as they say, wherever books are sold. So <laughs> it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's in bookstores and so on. That's, uh, it's easy to find. Become your child's sleep coach. And then you can find me really on all the other platforms, just with my last name and, and Dr. Dr. So just Dr. Schneeberg, which is D-R-S-C-H-N-E-E-B-E-R-G. So that's how I am on Twitter. My website is drschneeberg.com or thebedtimedoctor.com. And my website has, I hope people will find, a lot of useful resources Especially under the blog tab, I've written lots and lots of articles on kids and sleep and how to get past the most common sleep issues. Bedwetting at a later age, maybe seven um, nightmares, night terrors, how to help a child get ready for a sleep study, 
common mistakes parents make at bedtime and so on. And then I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram and even Pinterest, where a lot of moms are, um, and so on. And it's always under my name, Dr. Schneeberg or Dr. Linnell Schneeberg. That's terrific. Um, I'm I'm so grateful you had time for this today. Um, and and again, we'll make sure that all the contact information and the links to the book and all of that are in the show notes. Um, but uh, I'm I, I can't thank you enough for this. Well, you're so welcome. I'm so thankful that you had me on. Thanks so much. There you have it, Dr. Linnell Schneeberg, uh, the author of Become Your Child's Sleep Coach. Again, all the information, how to get a hold of her, how to get the book, where to find her on social media, it's all in the show notes. If you like what we've got here for you this week, by all means, share the link with a friend. Again, the website where they can find the podcast, not only on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, if they search either for my name, Neil Headley, or for the name of the show, The Snooze Button, uh, they can go through it that way. They can find us on our website at thesnoozebutton.com slash podcast. It's all there. In the meantime, we'll be back here next Monday with a brand new edition of The Snooze Button. The Snooze Button.